uh, keep open uh, the passage that we read, just those few words. Um, and my questions are, do any of you know what kind of man Julius Caesar was? And, and do any of you know what, what did Genghis Khan think of you? Would Pharaoh Tutankhamun be your friend? So these are real people from history, but they're dead. So it doesn't really matter to me and to you today what kind of heart they had. But Jesus was also a real person in history. No serious scholar. No matter what people uh, talk about in terms of trying to say that Jesus is a myth, no serious scholar and historian doubt that he's a real person in history. And there are abundant historical references that leave us with little reasonable doubt that Jesus lived and died. But the more interesting question is whether Jesus died and lived. So our passage tonight says something absolutely necessary to us today. And the first thing I want to focus on is simply the fact that Jesus lives forever. Now, uh, it says, verse 23, the former priests were many in number because, because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood partly because he continues forever. So the resurrection of Jesus from the dead marks him out as absolutely unique and special in the realms of history. Uh, and the gospel good news of Jesus isn't merely that 2000 plus years ago, someone died for you. It's that the one who died for you is now alive, standing at the right hand of the throne of heaven with the power to help you today with a heart that beats for you today. Now, the facts that lead us to know that Jesus is alive, they range from the empty tomb to the multiple eyewitness accounts to the transformative explosion of faith that's scattered right across the world. And this explosion of of people trusting and believing in the eyewitness accounts and believing in, in, in the word of God, that wasn't by the sword. It wasn't by political power. And in fact, when these things are, are, are found within the church, these things usually obscure the mission of the church. In fact, they can even ruin the mission of the church. Faith doesn't spread by manipulation or the passing on of traditions. It has spread to all the corners of the world because Jesus is alive. And because the Holy Spirit of God is on the move. Now, we do not worship a dead man. Historical figures don't change our lives. Uh, last year, last February 2020, before lockdown happened, I had the privilege to celebrate my 30th birthday watching Hamilton in the West End in London. Now, you might love the Hamilton musical. You might know the lyrics off by heart, and I can give you a good run at knowing them off by heart. But Alexander Hamilton as a person is doing nothing for you right now. He's dead. We worship someone who can help us. We worship the living Jesus. And that means he can actually help you today, tonight, right now. It means, verse 25, that he is able to save us to the uttermost. Jesus is unlike anyone else. Now, in ancient Israel, a priest represented the people to God. They offered sacrifices for the sins of the people as well as for their own sins. But the priests of old were at times disappointing, sometimes even evil. And eventually they would all die. 
Those priests can do nothing for you now. But Jesus continues. He lives forever. And that means that he is personally seeing to it that the one-off sacrifice that he offered in the past is being perpetually applied to the people who trust in him. Now, because Jesus lives forever, he's on the case today for you. Jesus' heart that still beats. See, he's the same person as he was. And everything that we knew about his heart back in the Gospels is what we know about his heart today. So those passages that talk about how Jesus had a heart that was open and gentle and humble and compassionate. Well, we worship the living Christ who took on humanity, who died as a sacrifice for all of our sins and who lives again to apply the sacrifice to our lives forevermore. He is covering your sins from yesterday and today and tomorrow and forever. And the evidence that Jesus lives, that he still lives, is you. It's me. It's the fact that people now, today, can be, can be born again and transformed because Jesus Christ is on the case. He's alive. He lives. He continues forever to do his job as a priest. And he is sending the Holy Spirit to change the lives of people today. And he can change yours. I don't know all of you people. I recognize some of your faces. It's a joy to see some of you again. It's a joy to see all of you. But to see some of you again is great. But he can change your life. If you ask the living Jesus to save you, if you pray to the one who's able to save you completely to the uttermost, you'll find out he's alive. You'll know the peace of forgiveness, of hope, of meaning and satisfaction. And that peace can only be real because Jesus is alive. That's the first thing. Jesus lives forever. But secondly, Jesus lives to intercede. What exactly does it mean that Jesus is still on the case for us? And so the passage that we read uses an interesting word to describe it. Verse 25 Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus loves to make intercession. He lives for this. So what does that mean? What is intercession? Now, the modern era of football has seen the rise of the super agent. And as rich and as annoying as they are, Agents have the power and they make the noise to celebrate their represented player and they negotiate with the clubs on behalf of the player for the best deals and the best contracts. So you've got uh, Jorge Mendes represents Cristiano Ronaldo and Jao Felix and Jose Mourinho and so on. Mihailo represents uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Erling Haaland and Paul Pogba. Some of these names might mean nothing to some of you, but hopefully to some of you they will. These guys speak to a club on behalf of the player. Intercession is when a third party comes comes between two others and makes a case to one on behalf of the other. Jesus intercedes for you, speaking to God the Father on your behalf all the time. So what is he doing? He's constantly applying 
what his work on the cross accomplished. The cross has done it. Jesus has paid for our sin in full from start to finish. But his intercession is the moment by moment ongoing application of that atoning work. Jesus lives to intercede for you, to make intercession for you. That means that Jesus is living to protect you and hold you safe and to forgive you moment by moment forevermore. Jesus is praying for you. And unlike our poor prayers, his prayers protect you and bless you and keep you. By the way, the fact that Jesus is always speaking to God the Father on your behalf doesn't mean that God the Father is reluctant to love you. And Jesus is always having to every day convince him to keep you, even though you're a failure all the time. No, the Father and Son are in total agreement to save his people to the uttermost. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son. What what this is meaning is that Jesus is your champion every single day because his heart is so full for you. He lives for this. His intercession means that he is perpetually applying and celebrating and pouring out his love for you in the presence of God the Father, who himself lives to say yes, yes and yes. Because the reality is that Christians, we are ongoing sinners. God knows this. The, the Bible acknowledges this and we know it. Sin drags you down. In fact, failure and weakness can throttle your spirit. We can be battered, absolutely battered by the ongoing curse of the world. Now, again, I don't know your stories, but you might tonight, what a weird year, you might be limping along. Because of sin and suffering. But you need to know the heart of Jesus towards you tonight. He is. And he wants to be on the case for you. Now some Christians don't have the confidence that they're safe. They begin to lose assurance. They, they think they're not good enough. And, and yes in time from that ground of our acceptance will grow the fruit of faith and good works. And these things show that we are born again and we are accepted. But the actual ground of your confidence and your assurance isn't whether you see fruit today or not. Because then it's all about you and it's about your performance. And that means it's up and down. No, any of you who trust in Jesus need to know that the grounds of your assurance is completely, the grounds of your confidence that you're safe is completely in the fact that Jesus is on the case. Jesus right now is interceding and praying for you. What about when we specifically sin? Rather than just this generic sense of where we're sinners, we're living in a fallen world. What about when we are actually in that moment of sin? He's still not against you. He's for you. First John uh, chapter two tells us that if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ. The righteous one in those moments when you are sinning. Even then, he is our personal advocate. He is our defender. He is our savior right down in the darkness of your worst moments. Jesus 
cannot bear to leave you alone. Christ continues to intercede on our behalf because we continue to fail here on earth. He doesn't forgive us through the work on the cross and then hope that we just make it the rest of the way. There's a great book called Gentle and Lowly, um, well worth reading. And it uses this description, picture a glider pulled up into the sky, an airplane, soon to be released to float down to its destination. Now, we are that glider and, and Christ is the plane, but he never engages. He never lets go, waiting for us to just float on down to to hoping that we somehow make it on our own to heaven, just wishing us well. No, he carries us all the way to our destination. But let's also finally pause and dwell on the fact that our verse today is also telling us that Jesus loves interceding for you. Jesus lives forever. Jesus lives to intercede. But he loves doing this. His heart compels him to do this. That, that, those words, he always lives to make intercession for them. It's not just what he's doing, it's what he wants to be doing. His heart draws him to do this for you. He loves carrying you into God's presence all the time. Right now, he is living to love you. Now, the watching world is always shocked and appalled when a prominent leader of some kind is removed by scandal. It happens in politics. It happens in business. It happens in families. And sadly, and as clear as it has been in the life of the church, even in the last few weeks, it happens all too often in the church too. Now, if you talk to people, you'll usually find out that the signs were there, just that nobody was listening. Signs of manipulation. And this is scandals in general. I'm not just talking about the one that might be popping up in our heads from recent weeks. Scandals, usually you'll find that the signs were there. Signs of manipulation, signs of arrogance, signs of abuse, signs of harshness. And the people we look up to, sadly, sometimes turn out to be unreliable in their character on the inside, even for all the things that they achieve on the outside. But Jesus is so different. Here is a leader that loves to draw near to you today and to help you. Here is a savior whose heart is gentle and kind right now. And the book of Hebrews reveals to us even more of the heart of this high priest. In Hebrews 4, verse 15, it says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. So maybe you think that Jesus is only with you when things are going well and only when you're being faithful and you're on fire for Jesus. No, actually, it's the opposite. Jesus feels deep solidarity with your weakness he sympathizes. In fact, Jesus knows what it was like because he was weak himself. He walked this earth. One of the great problems of human life is that we feel that the more difficult life gets, the more alone we feel. And, and suffering and sin often has the byproduct of making you think that you're the only one going through all of this and that you're all alone. Listen to me. It's nonsense. It's a lie. 
Satan is the father of lies. If Jesus is your savior, or if you would come to Jesus as your savior, your pain is never too deep for him to share in. And your sin is never too bad for him to rescue you from it. In short, when the fallenness of the world and your own life closes in on you and makes you feel like you want to throw in the towel, there, right there, we have a friend who knows exactly what weakness feels like and he sits close to us. He embraces us. He's with us. He lives. He loves to intercede for you to act on your behalf, to be your champion. Hebrews also tells us that he is able, Verse chapter 5, verse 2, tells us about this great high priest. He is able to deal gently with those ignorant and going astray. And all is dealing with you as he intercedes with you, as he steps in, as, you, as your advocate, when you sin and you really royally mess up, his heart to you is the same heart he had on earth. He's gentle and kind, compassionate and gracious and loving. That's what Jesus is like right now. He's not in heaven scowling at you, lashing out at you. God may discipline you, he may rebuke you, but it's all in love. It's all with his arm around you. As, as we go down to the pain and anguish, we are descending even deeper into Christ's own heart. Not away from it, into his heart. So when Jesus engages with sinners like us, he doesn't throw up his hands at frustration. He is calm, he's tender, he's gentle. He loves to intercede. He lives to love us right now. What's Jesus doing right now? He is your champion, praying for you, celebrating you, upholding you, and applying to you his work on the, off the cross, moment by moment, covering your sins, covering your mess, covering your failures. And if you're not his yet, don't you want a savior like this? Just ask. He's listening. He's alive. Just come to him. Isn't it about time you knew someone like this who will live for you? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, May we know the heart of Jesus towards sinners like us. May we all know a saviour like this. And may all of us take heart that our saviour is like this. And help us to take heart as we love him and serve him. Remind us and help us to remember and reflect and delight that this is what Jesus is like. Be with us and help us. Encourage us and equip us as we enter into another week with such different things going on in our lives. Lord, you know us. You know what's ahead of us. Lord, help us. Give us Jesus.
May we know him as our saviour and our champion. And we ask all of this in his name. Amen.